But see, God always works through it. Because God's ways are higher than our ways. His, his, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. But it all starts with coming to that moment of surrender. There's a famous story. Most of you have probably heard about it. Uh, Sir Winston Churchill was asked to speak at a commencement service at the Harrow School in 1941. Churchill was this amazing leader who had been the voice of comfort and strength during some of England's most struggling times. And so here he is, he's speaking at this, this uh, commencement. He stands up on the stage and every eye is fixed on him. Everybody's waiting to see what he's going to say. And he steps up and he utters these words. He says, never, ever, 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 ever give up. One of the shortest speeches ever, right? But also one of the most memorable. And it's a great reminder that there are times, man, when we're going for something that we shouldn't give up. That God puts something in our heart, puts something, maybe a dream in our heart. There's going to be all kinds of things to try and keep you from doing what God has for your life. And so there's going to be things that are going to come against you and try to get you to utter those words, I quit, I give up, I'm done, that's it, I'm not going to do it. Don't give up. But I want to take a little bit of a different track with you this morning. And I want to suggest that maybe there are some things in your life that you should give up. Maybe there's some things in your life that you need to surrender. Uh, And some of those things focus around the way we see ourselves. It focuses around our self-image, who we think we are and who we believe we are. Unfortunately, some of us think too highly of ourselves. Some of us think maybe too lowly of ourselves. And so what we want to do over the next few weeks is we want to take what we think of ourselves, our self-image, and we want to just lay it down on the altar of God so that we'll not be who we think we are, we'll not be who others think we are, but we'll be who God says we are. Amen? And so that's really kind of our idea. So we're starting a new series today called White Flag, The Power of Surrender. You may remember in the old movies when somebody was going to stop fighting, what they would do is they would grab a flag, a white flag, and they go, that's it. I'm done. (laughs) I quit. I'm not going to fight anymore. And see, sometimes when it comes to the self-image and the way we see ourselves, we need to just say, I'm going to surrender this. I'm going to give it up. Because the very way we see ourselves is a lot of times fighting with what God is trying to do in our life. And so it's time sometimes to lay those things down. So that's what we're going to do. We're going to talk about giving those things up and surrendering to God. Now let me show you what we're going to surrender during the next four weeks. All right, Uh, Today we're going to talk about surrendering our feelings of inadequacy. Something that I think probably every one of us struggles with at some point or another. Uh, Next week... We're going to talk about surrendering our need for control. If you're sitting next to somebody who is a control freak, resist the temptation to control them by nudging them right now. All right? But we're going to talk about that. Because really, every one of us struggles with this a little bit, this idea of needing to control. And what that basically is, at its core, is really a lack of faith. It's a lack of faith, and it gets us in trouble. Third week, this is probably going to be my favorite of the, of the four messages. We're going to surrender our right to be offended. Oh, man. We actually live in a culture right now where people feel like it's their right to be offended. And many of us even look for reasons to be offended. So we're going to talk about that. 
The fourth week, we're going to talk about surrendering our longing for approval. Because most of us spend too much time, way too much time, worrying about what other people think about us. And we know the quickest way to forget what God thinks about you is to start worrying about what other people are thinking about you. And so we're going to talk about that. So today, as we start our White Flag series, we're going to talk about surrendering our feelings of inadequacy. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm amazed sometimes at how quickly I can find myself in this struggle, this struggle of feeling inadequate. Maybe it's comparing myself to somebody else and seeing how they're doing financially or that sort of thing, and I'm going, man, they're doing so great, and they've got all this stuff, and, you know, what's wrong with me? I remember one time we were driving along the Pacific Coast Highway. And if you've ever been, you know, out in California and driving along that area, it's just stunning. And we were driving through Malibu, and I was looking around, and I was seeing some of the, one of the most expensive neighborhoods in the world. And there's all these billions, gazillion-dollar houses everywhere you look. And I was just looking at them, and I'm thinking, what do these people even do? I can't even figure out what they do to make that kind of money. And you just feel inadequate. You just feel like you don't measure up. Or you ever go to a friend's house, right, and their lawn is perfect and their home looks like something out of home and gardens and, you know, you walk inside and everything's immaculate and the furniture's all new and the kids come out and they're all well-mannered and everything like that. And instead of enjoying the moment, all you can think of is, oh man, I can't even begin to live up to this. Or maybe you're a student, right? And you're in school and your best friend is smart and popular, right? And so you study your fanny off and all you can do is make C's. They don't even study and they're making A's. And then you're going to the dance by yourself, but they've had like seven invitations to the stupid dance, right? And you're just thinking, what's wrong with me? What is wrong? Why don't I measure up? Or sometimes, I don't know if you ever feel this way, but you ever find yourself around super Christians? You know what I'm talking about? You're you're talking to somebody and you just mention something and you say, you know, this is what's going on. And they say, well, you know what that reminds me of? That reminds me of 2 Corinthians 12, or 2 Chronicles 12, 24. And you go, what is that? I don't even know what that is. And then they just speak it, you know, from memory, you know, and you're going, I didn't even know that book was in the Bible. And, you know, you're just kind of feeling all, you know, you feel inadequate. You just feel less than, you know, or, or like, you know, somebody and they're like a prayer warrior. They're the kind of person that when they pray, you can feel like God's leaning in, right? You know, like everybody's going, now that's the way to pray. And so you get invited to their house and you go over to their house and you're having a meal and they say, would you pray over the meal? And you're going, oh, <laughs> I can't do that. No, 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 come on. You know, you pray over the meal. And so you work up your best prayer and it's something like, you know, rub-a-dub-dub, God bless this grub. And then you're thinking, man, I stink. I stink as a Christian. I can't do this. I'm less than. I just don't measure up. Man, if you feel that way, I can tell you I completely relate. I think I've always struggled with this feeling that I have to prove myself, right? Because I never felt good enough. And I don't think I ever felt more inadequate than when our daughter was born. And she's like 27 now, but I remember those feelings like it was yesterday. You know, we we knew that that she was going to be born. And I remember looking at her and she was so little. And I was thinking, I don't know if I can do this, right? 
I mean, she was so cute in that little crib, and I'm looking at her, and I'm thinking, you know what, Vicky and I, we've killed every single houseplant we've ever had. <laughs> you, you know what I'm saying? I mean, we had a dog. His name was Taco. He was like a little chihuahua, and while he was the cutest dog ever, he was the worst trained dog ever. He was terrible. And I'm thinking, man, now we've got this little human being in the house. I just feel so inadequate, just this overwhelming sense of, I just don't know if I can do this. And then you add to it what I do for a living. You wouldn't believe how many times I feel inadequate as a pastor. I mean, from day one, I never felt good enough. I never felt holy enough. I never felt like I knew enough. You know, and so there's these overwhelming feelings of inadequacy. Why do we do that? Why do we do that to ourselves? Why do we let that happen in our lives? Why do we battle with our self-image and all these feelings of inadequacy? Well, that's what I want to talk about this morning. We're going to look at one of my favorite stories in the Bible. I've shared this story many times, but I'm going to show it to you a little bit of a different way. It's the story of Gideon. I'm just going to show you a little short part of that. And uh, we're going to talk about how to surrender those feelings of inadequacy. We're going to let him show us how to do that. So let me just start off with this. Why do we feel inadequate? Why do we feel inadequate? I'm going to give you three very quick reasons. Uh, There's more, but these are my... These are my top picks. Number one, I think sometimes we feel inadequate because we've received unfair criticism. If you're writing, if you're taking notes, go ahead and write that down. Unfair criticism. Somewhere along the line, somebody looked at you and said, you don't have what it takes. And you're not ever going to amount to anything. Or I don't like you. I wish I'd never met you. Or you're pathetic. You're never going to amount to anything. I I wish you were more like so-and-so. Right? And so what happens then is internally you take those messages and you burn them on the hard drive in your mind. I mean, they just constantly are coming up. Anytime you get ready to step out and do something significant, anytime you get ready to go after the dream that God has placed in your heart, anytime you try to do something significant for your family, significant for your career, significant in your life, you step out and that hard drive starts playing those messages. You can't do this. You're not going to be able to do this, right? You're not capable. You're not adequate. Unfair criticism. Second reason, and a lot of people don't, don't normally pick up on this one, but I think it's really, really true. I believe it's because we receive unrealistic compliments. Unrealistic compliments. You're the best. You're amazing. No one's as good as you. And see, inside, what that does to us is we start thinking about it and go, you know what, you don't know me. You, you don't know what I'm really like. You don't know what's going on inside of me. I'm not that amazing. And see, I think we've messed up. Those of us that are, that are parents, you know, in these last couple of generations, we've looked at our kids and said, you know what, man, because we, we, we love them so much. So we've just told them, you're good at everything. You're just good at everything. And they're not. <laughs> they're not. I mean, it's, let's be honest. I think I've told you this before, but I remember when I was a kid, you had to actually win something to get a trophy. You know what I'm saying? You had to win something. They, now they just hand you a trophy. It's kind of like, you know, hey kid, you did great. I mean, I know you sat on the bench all year and you never played a game and all of that stuff, but you're awesome. Here's your trophy, right? We just gave it to them. 
Man, you had to, listen, when I was a kid, you had to graduate 12 grades to graduate. Now they have graduation at kindergarten. Hey, you made it through kindergarten. Come on, you're amazing. You're the best. And see, I think what happens then is they start to grow up with that thing of going, I don't think I'm as amazing as you think I am. I mean, I think you think I'm here, and I feel like I'm here. Because I know me. I know me better. Right? And so because of that, we have this whole generation of people who are paralyzed by fear. They're, they're, they have this fear of failure. I don't even want to try, because if I try, I may not be good enough. Because you think I'm up here, and I think I'm down here, and I just feel really inadequate. Third reason that is becoming more and more common is uh, unwise comparisons. Unwise comparisons. We look at other people and say, you know what? I, I, I'm not like you. I, I, I'm, I'm not as attractive. I'm not as educated. I, I don't have the spiritual gifts that you have. And I'm going to be real honest with you right now. I think that one of the greatest causes of inadequacy right now is social media. I, I believe that with all my heart. Because what happens is you're at home and you get on social media and you upload a picture of the, of the peanut butter and jelly sandwich that you're eating, right? And so you're eating your sandwich and you're scrolling through and all of a sudden you see a friend of yours and they're eating lobster like in Fiji, right? And you're going, my life stinks, right? You know, yeah. And it just feels that way. You just feel like it. You know, you, or you look at your friends and you go, they've got, I've got like 172 followers on Instagram and they've got 912. I'm a loser. I just can't, I can't, I can't you know, live up to this. Pastor Stephen Furtick says, and I think this is true, he says, we compare other people's highlight reels with our behind the scenes, Right? And we look at everybody else's highlight reels of their life, and we know our behind the scenes. I mean, we see them with their kids, and their kids look perfect. Everything's in order. They look like they're just having the best time. they got these big smiles on their face. They're dressed to the nines. And we think that they're perfect when we know we just yelled at our kids, right? And they're wearing clothes that don't match, and their hair looks like their head exploded. And <laughs> we're out in public somewhere, and we're thinking, man, I just don't measure up. We come to church and we see all the other people around us and they're worshiping God in church and we know what we're feeling inside. We know the doubts that we're struggling with and they all look beautiful and they all look together and we feel inadequate. What are we doing? We're comparing our behind the scenes with their highlight reels and it's not fair. And suddenly our mind starts to tell us what we're not and God is trying to tell us what we really are. So today I want to take a very familiar story story of Gideon, Judges chapter 6. We're going to start at verse 11 if you have your Bibles and want to follow through. If not, it's going to be on the screen. And I want to read it, give you a little commentary, and just break it down and see where God leads us so that we can become who we really are. Let's start in verse 11. It says this, The angel of the Lord came and sat down under the oak in Oprah. And she's really been around a long time, hasn't she? Sat down under the oak at Oprah that belonged to Joash the Abyssalite, where his son Gideon was threshing wheat in a wine press to keep it from the Midianites. Now, stop there. Take a pause for a second. Let me explain what's going on in case you don't know. To thresh wheat, 
means that you would take, you would try and get up someplace high where the wind could be strong enough to catch it. You would have a, a winnowing fork. You would pick it up, the wheat, and you would throw it into the air. And what would happen is the, the wind would catch the husk and take it away. And then the, the wheat would drop down and it would purify the wheat. It would give you a, a purified version of the wheat. But what was happening was, is that Israel had been under siege by a group of people known as the Midianites. And so every time they would have uh, flocks or something like that, and the Midianites would see them, they would come in and take them away. If they were, if they were you know, out in public and they were uh, threshing their wheat, they would come in and take it away from them. So, Midianite, uh, so Midianite, uh, Gideon is down in a wine press, down below the ground. I mean, there's no wind there. Right? And he's trying to thresh the wheat. He's probably every now and then ducking his head over and looking around to see if anybody's coming. So he's there, and he's in this place of really strong fear, trying to figure out what he's going to do. And this is the place that he finds himself in. And then all of a sudden, the, this, the craziest thing happens. An angel appears to him. The Bible calls it the angel of, of the Lord, which usually indicates that it's God himself who's actually speaking to him. And you remember the story. We talked about this when we talked about fear not too long back. But I want to show you something a little bit different here. Verse 12, it says, When the angel of the Lord appeared to Gideon, he said, The Lord is what? Somebody help me out. The Lord is? He's with you. And then he called him what? Mighty warrior. Mighty warrior. Now, if Gideon had been talking to himself, he'd have probably said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior, <laughs> right? He would have probably said, you know, you're hiding. You're down here in the wine press. You're a punk. You're a coward. You're afraid. But see, the Lord saw something inside of him that he didn't see in himself. And I just want to say to you that we're going to talk about this today, but there is more in you than you see in yourself. God sees this in, in Gideon. And this is what he says. Verse 13, Gideon replies, But sir, if the Lord is with us, why has all this happened to us? Where are the wonders that you foretold about us when they said, Did not the Lord bring us up out of Egypt? But now the Lord has abandoned us. Do you ever feel like that? you ever feel like you're in a place and just feel like the Lord has abandoned you? He hasn't. But he felt that way. He says, the Lord has abandoned us and put us in the hand of the Midianites. What is he doing? He's fussing. He's telling God everything that's wrong. And, and I want you to look at how God replies to him because he totally ignores everything that Gideon just said. The Lord turns to him and says, go in the strength that you have. In other words, stop with all that stuff. I'm not even listening to that. Go with the strength that you have and save Israel out of Midian's hands. Am I not sending you, God asked. Now in verse 15, we're going to see that every time God calls you and every time God empowers you and leads you to do something, that you have an enemy who's just standing by waiting to tell you, you can't do that. You're not good enough to do that. You're not smart enough to do that. You'll never be able to do that. But you need to understand, you know, that, 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 that God wants to tell you something different. Inside of you, you're running those internal tapes. They're just flying. And they're playing those negative messages, the ones that your mind has been conditioned to approve. And so look at what Gideon says. Look at how he responds. He says, but Lord, how can, how can I save Israel? My clan is the weakest in Manasseh, and I'm the least in my family. In other words, you know, out of all the 12 tribes of Israel, my tribe is the weakest. 
And then within my tribe, uh, we have our different clans. My clan is the weakest. And so in my family, I'm the weakest. So he's saying, I can't do this. You talk about feeling inadequate. He's feeling inadequate, right? You might say it this way. You might say, you know what? I'm not talented enough. I'm not good enough. I'm I'm not smart enough. I'm not as godly. Or you might say, if you really knew my life, if you really knew all the things that I messed up in or all the things that I've done, right? And so you have all these inner messages trying to tell you why you can't do what God has already said you can do. Verse 16, the Lord answers him with the key to this whole message today. And he says, I am with you. I'm with you. And you'll strike down the Midianites altogether. So if we're going to lay down our idea of who we are so that we can become who God says we are, there's three things that you need to know about you from the story of Gideon. All right? So if you're taking notes, write these down. The first one is this, that when your inner, uh, uh, inner you begins to speak to you and starts to run those tapes, those messages of insecurity and, and inadequacy, number one, remember that God's view of you is different than you think. God's view of you is different than you think. He sees you different than you see yourself. I promise you, God sees more in you than you see in yourself. In verse 12, the angel of the Lord appears to Gideon who's hiding. And everything about his physical demeanor and actions says, I'm afraid. But the Lord says, I am with you, and then calls him a mighty warrior. God is calling something out of him. God is prophetically giving him a vision of who he is beyond how he sees himself. See, God has this vision for you in your life. He has this thing that he's planned. Matter of fact, the Bible says that he has your life planned out for you. And so he sees all your potential. He sees what you could be. And we need to stop seeing ourselves the way we see ourselves and start seeing ourselves the way he sees us. So that's what God is doing with Gideon here. He says, you're a mighty warrior. When I first gave my life to Christ, I mentioned this last week, but I remember falling down on my knees in my little apartment and just having this moment where I just said, God, you know, I surrender. Here's my, here's my flag. I'm giving up. I surrender. I, 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 I'm, 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 I'm tired of fighting you. I want to do whatever it is you want me to do. And to be honest with you, I didn't think there was much there. I, I felt like I'd already messed up my life way beyond anything God could ever do. And so I just said, God, I, I don't have anything to offer you. But whatever you can do with my life, it's yours. I'll just give it to you. I'll turn it over to you. And I'm going to trust you in this moment. Now, at that time, honestly, I, I really, truthfully, I didn't believe there was anything God could do. But see, God sees things in us we don't see in ourselves. He created us. He knows us better than we know ourselves. God sees something inside of you that you don't see. And I want you to know, for every single one of you that are here today, God's view of you is different than your view of yourself. Somebody may have told you, hey, you know what? You can't, or you won't, or here's all the reasons why. You know, and, 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 you know, I believe God is telling you to do something different. God is, God, is, God is different than you think. His view of you is different than you think. I love the way it's, it's phrased in, in the book of Ephesians. Take a look at this verse. It says, For we are God's 
Yeah, I want you to do me a favor. Put your hand on your chest, kind of tap yourself a little bit and say, I'm a masterpiece. Now, some of you, that's hard. You're struggling with that because immediately, you, you know, you're, you're saying the affirming words. You're saying what God has said over you, but inside you're thinking, no, I'm not. Yes, you are. You're a masterpiece. You're God's masterpiece. He put thought and care into making you. God didn't just do some sort of assembly line where he was just... God spent time thinking about you. The Bible says he knows every hair on your head. God has this plan for you. He looks at you and he says, oh man, they are so beautiful. I love them so much. And I can't wait to see what they're going to do. Can't wait to watch it all unfold because they are a... So do it again this time, right? And I want you to do it like you believe it. I'm a masterpiece. I'm a masterpiece. And I was created anew in Christ Jesus so that I could do the good works He planned for me long ago. Sometimes you need to take those scriptures and just apply it to you. For I am God's masterpiece. Say that. He has created me anew in Christ Jesus. So I can do the good things He planned for me long ago. Do you realize that before you were born, God had a heavenly to-do list for you? And God created you with everything you needed to do that. All right, God's view of you is different than you think. Others don't even see you the way that God sees you. Now, I love the stories in the Bible. And you look at some of these Bible characters, they give me such great hope. Look at the story of Rahab in the Bible. When everybody looked at Rahab, what did they see? They saw a prostitute who was selling her body to men. What did God see? God saw somebody who was going to turn their life around and begin to put their trust in him. Someone who would marry a godly man. And then she would start to give birth to children who would give birth to children. And through that genealogy and through that line would one day have an ancestor, Jesus Christ. Man, others saw a prostitute. God looked at her and saw divine potential. When others looked at David as a child, they just saw a young shepherd boy. But God saw something inside of him that nobody else saw. God saw a warrior. God saw a giant killer. And when David messed up and he fell, just like we all do at some point, people saw an adulterer, but God saw somebody that was going to turn his heart back to him and seek him with all of his heart and be a man after God's own heart. And God said, that's a man that I can use. That's a person that I could use man that loves me. When Peter messed up again and again and again and again and couldn't seem to get it right, what did Jesus see in Peter? Jesus saw a rock. Jesus saw somebody who would be the guest speaker at Pentecost. Come on, somebody. He saw saw somebody that he could use. God sees more in you than you see in yourself. All right? So that's number one. God's view of you is different than you think. Number two, write this down. God has given you more than you think. God has given you more than you think. Verse 14. I love what God says to Gideon. All right? He says to Gideon, he says, listen, I want you to go and take a class, do a little bit of studying, get ready for this. Right? No, he didn't say that at all. 
I want you to go to Votech and get prepared. No. I want you to read a book. No, he doesn't say that. What does he say? He says, go in this strength you have. You've already got it. You've already got this strength inside of you. Am I not sending you? Go in the strength that I have already given you. And there's some of you that are here today, all these negative messages are there from your inner you, you know, and you're thinking, man, I don't have what it takes. I don't, I don't have, what, I'm not good enough. I don't, I don't measure up. I'm not attractive enough. I want you to know that God has given you more than you think. There is more inside of you than you think. God has given you everything you need to do everything that he's calling you to do. He's doing that inside of you right now. Everything you need to do everything he's called you to do. I remember when I gave my life to Christ, some of you guys know my story. I started playing in a, in a Christian rock and roll band, and we were traveling around, and we were playing you know, big concerts, and we were playing you know, all sorts of different places, and you know, college campuses, and you know, concert venues, and, and things like that. And I remember every, every night there was a point in the show where uh, all of us throughout the course of the evening would share a little bit of our testimony and tell our stories. And I, I remember night after night of hearing the other guys share theirs and then feeling this dread because I knew my time was coming and think, I can't, I can't speak in front of these guys. I don't have anything to say. They're not going to want to hear what I have to say. But I kept trusting God and kept stepping out there and trying it and learning. Sometime later, I began to actually believe maybe God has, has, has called me to be a pastor. And I remember I was living in D.C. at the time. That was where our band was based and we were traveling out of there. And so I got into a mentoring class with my pastor at that time. And I remember him pulling me aside one day. And this is what he said to me. Listen to this. He says, Robert, I don't think you'll ever be a pastor. The best I see is that you may be a deacon sometime in a church. I know, right? <laughs> I was crushed. And by the way, to that pastor's credit, you know, I mean, he, he, he called me and apologized, and he told me what he was going through at that time, and I realized that, that he was speaking out of his own hurt, and we've got a great relationship now, and he's so proud of all we've done over these last, you know, almost 30 years that we've been pastoring. But at the time, I was crushed. I was crushed. I had this dream in my heart. I didn't feel like I could do it. My pastor apparently didn't feel like I could do it. And I thought, well, you know what? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm not supposed to do it. Sometime after that, we began to feel a stirring in our heart, Vicki and I, and felt like God was calling us back to Florida. And we had been away for a long time. And, and so I remember calling up a friend of mine who was pastoring a church at that time. And uh, it was over in Milton. And I said, hey, we're, we're coming back into the area. Share your vision with me. And he did. And I said, Vicki and I are coming, and we're going we're gonna to come to your church. And I just want you to know, I'm not looking for a position. I'm not looking for anything. You just show me where you need somebody to serve, and I'll serve. And so I began to do that, just you know, wherever it was. I mean, I was you know, cleaning closets and you know, you know, sweeping floors, just whatever they needed. I mean, I was there. Just put me to work. And he did. After a little while, I remember he, he called and asked if he could sit down and, with Vicki and I and we went and met him, I think it was like at Hardee's or Tasty Freeze or one of those kind of places. And we're sitting there drinking our little soda or something like that. And he says, I just want to ask you, would you consider working with teenagers? That's what I wanted to do. But I hadn't told anybody. I hadn't said anything. 
I felt like if God was going to do it, he would, he'd, he'd show me that. Now, now, that's not always the best thing to do. If God's put a dream in your heart, tell somebody. But I'm just saying, I hadn't told anybody because I felt so inadequate. And all of a sudden, he's asking me to do this thing. And so I felt like I had absolutely nothing to offer, but I said yes. I said, I'm going to trust God. And God blessed it. And as I trusted him, he continued to bless it, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew, and it grew. And then God began to place a vision inside of us of planting a life-giving church in our community and having an impact, being a church that would impact this community and make a difference in the world. And I was scared to death, you know, I mean, but God put some great people around me. And, and, and man, we teamed up and we prayed and we sought God and we started the church and, and, and God was with us every step of the way. And by the way, God continues to do that today. Now you need to understand, I had no idea that any of that was inside of me. So when I talk about being who God says you are then rather than who you think you are, you need to understand this is very real to me. This is very much, I've lived this out. I'm still living it out. You need to realize that God has put more inside of you than you realize. I love what the Bible says, and this is so powerful. 2 Peter 1 through 3. It says that God's power has given you what? And this is so good. Just read it with me. His divine power has given us, come on guys, you can read better than that. Let's try it one more time. His divine power has given us everything we need for what? Through what? Right. Absolutely right. It's in His knowledge, our knowledge of Him, that He gives us everything we need. Listen, don't you dare. In fact, everybody look at me for just a second. Don't you dare believe what everybody else has said about you. Don't you do it. Don't you dare believe those negative messages that your brain you know, starts to shoot at you. Let me, let me tell you, don't do that. You can't do that. God's view of you is different than you think. God has given you more than you think. You say, but Robert, I, I'm different than you. I'm not a stage person. I'm more of a behind-the-scenes guy. Jesus said, you know what? The behind-the-scenes guys, those who serve, those are the greatest you may be the greatest in the kingdom and you don't even realize it because you're there serving. You say, well, I'm not a six-figure guy, Robert. I'm not that kind of guy that's going to go out and make six figures. Yeah, but you know what you are? You're a guy who's home every evening with your kids and you're pouring into them. And guess what? Their lives are going to be better because you've loved them and you stood there for them and invested in their life. You saw your children as an investment in the kingdom of God. That's powerful. But you know, Robert, I just, don't, I just don't know the right things to say. I, I've never been good with that. Some people, they just know the right things to say. They're great with words. and I, I'm great at listening, but I'm not great at saying things. Listen, I'm going to tell you something. More people have been changed by a good listener than, than, than by somebody who just shouts out their opinion, their thoughts. Right? Listening is a gift from God. And sometimes in your listening and just being there in the moment, your presence shows them God's presence, and it's powerful. God has given you more than you think. Don't ever insult God by thinking you don't have what it takes because God says, I've given you everything you need, 
Everything you need is there. Now, I hope you're hearing me today. I hope you let this sink down deep in your heart because God is trying to show you this. Number one, God's view of you is different than you think. Number two, God has given you more than you think. And then write this down. Are you ready for this? It's less about you than you think. It's less about you than you think. This is what the Lord said to Gideon. The Lord said in verse 16, I will be what? I will be with you. I will be with you. I will be with you. I'm going to do it. I'm going to be there. And then you'll strike down all the Midianites together. God says, I'll be with you. Remember what the Lord said to, to, to Gideon at the very beginning of, the, of the, the scripture that we looked at? The Lord said, the Lord is with you, mighty warrior. He's with you. It was less about Gideon and more about God's power than Gideon even realized. Listen to me. When God calls you to do something, it's more about the presence of God than it is your own power. It's more about His strength than it is your strength. It's less about you than you think. That's why as a believer, this is what we do. We take our self-image, all those negative thoughts, we bring them to the altar. We lay them at the altar before God so that we'll not be who others think we are. We'll not be who we wrongly think we are. But instead, we'll become who God says we are. We'll lay it down at the altar because it's less about us than we think. I told you earlier that sometimes I feel inadequate as a pastor. And I get this question all the time. People will ask me, they said, you, you know, do you still get nervous after all these years when you get up to speak? And he answers, yeah, absolutely. Matter of fact, when we're worshiping and I'm right here and I'm worshiping, my, my nerves are jangling. I mean, ask, ask Pam. I, I talked to her earlier. I said, I still feel nervous. She said, are you okay? I said, yeah, I just feel a little nervous. I always feel nervous right here. But the moment that I take that step onto that stage, I'm stepping out of myself. And I'm stepping into who God says about me. I'm stepping into that and more. Yeah, absolutely. And I just want you to know, God is not a respecter of persons. When you step into what God has for you, when you make that step, you're going to step into His anointing. You're going to step into His power. You're going to step into His strength. And it's going to be less about you than you think. It's going to be all about Him. Right? Because it's really not about us. It's about Him. Right? It's about him. You say, but I'm I, I, Robert, I'm not good enough. No. Step into his grace. Well, I'm not strong enough. No. Step into his power. You know, his power is made perfect in your weakness. Well, I, I'm not as smart as that person. Listen, you step into your calling. God has given you more than you think. You step into what God has called you to do. If he calls you, he'll equip you. If he calls you, he'll, he'll, he'll give you everything you need. If you have a vision, he will give you the provision. He will give you the, the things that you need to see that vision come to pass. That's who God is. That's what God does in your life. You are not who others say you are. You are not who your inner you says that you are. You are who God says you are. And God says you're a masterpiece created before time began for good works that you're to do. So you lay down your inadequacy at the altar. You kneel down. You surrender it to God. You wave the white flag and say, God, I'm going to quit fighting you on this. I'm going to see myself differently. 
Because God's view of you is different than you think. God has given you more than you think. And it's less about you than you think. And it's all about Him. Would you bow your heads with me? I just really feel like God is speaking to some of you here this morning. You came in this morning and you're feeling this, those feelings of inadequacy. You're feeling it. You're, you're, you're feeling inside of you those feelings. And if you're here and you say, Robert, I, I feel the way. The things that you talked about today, I feel that sometimes. Could I just see your hand right where you are? Hold them up real high. Keep them up. I really want to see. Can we connect? I'm going to ask you to do something. I'm going to ask you, if you would, if you raised your hand, just stand to your feet. Just stand to your feet. Now I want you just to come and find a place here at the front and just kneel down. We're going to bring those feelings. We're going to bring them to the altar. And we're going to ask God to touch us supernaturally. We're going to believe that He's going to meet us here in this moment. We're going to trust Him. Anybody else, it's not too late. We're going to trust God to make a difference. If you're not comfortable kneeling, you can just come on the front row and sit if you want. God, I just thank you for everyone who came up this morning. And Father, I know that you're doing something. You're sparking a change inside of hearts. Father, you're you're changing a vision inside of us. You're helping us to see ourselves in ways that we'd never consider. And so, Lord, I pray about every single one of these as they step into their calling of what you've called them to be. They step into what you have said about them by faith, God. I pray that they would just lay down those beliefs, those feelings of inadequacy. And I just want you just to see yourself right now, just taking those feelings of inadequacy and just right now laying them before God. Just imagine yourself doing that. I'm laying those feelings of inadequacy before God right now. Giving them to Him. You are not who other people say you are. Those negative things that were spoken over you, I break them in the name of Jesus. I break their power over your life. You are not who your inner you has been conditioned to tell you you are. I break those negative thoughts. I break those negative emotions that say you can't or you'll never be able to or everybody else. Or I just break that in Jesus' name. You are who God says you are. God says you're a masterpiece. That's who you are in Him right now. That God has given you everything you need to do for everything that he's called you to do. And so, God, I just thank you in advance for every single one of these. I want you just to say this prayer with me right where you are. Just say, God, I confess that I've seen myself wrong. I've let other people's words impact me. But I'm breaking that power in Jesus' name. And I'm trusting you. My trust is in you. And Lord, I believe 
that I am a masterpiece. And I'm stepping into that with your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Let's just give God a hand. As they make their way back to their seats, go ahead and still keep your heads bowed for just a moment. Just one more second. All right. As you keep praying today, maybe some of you, maybe some of you the struggle is that you feel inadequate when it comes to your relationship with God. Maybe you've never fully said yes to God. You've never surrendered your life to Him. Maybe you're here and you've thought, like I did, I don't know that there's anything that I could give to God that, that would be of any worth. And so you just haven't. Maybe you're here today and you need to say yes to Him. If that's you, every head is bowed, every eye is closed. If you say, Robert, that's me, would you pray for me? I'm not going to embarrass you. I'm not going to make you come up. This is just between you and me and God. But you say, Robert, I need to get my life right with God. Would you pray for me today? Could I just see your hand? Thank you. Thank you so much. Anybody else? I just need to get things right. Thank you for those hands. Thank you. I see you. Thanks. Thank you so much. I want to ask you just to pray a prayer with me right where you are. Just say, dear Jesus, come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. My plan is to trust you. To follow you. To believe you. Lord, I trust you. Just tell him that. Lord, I trust you. Forgive me of my sins. And the sin isn't anything that the sin is just anything that will take you off the mark of what his plan for is for your life is. Lord, I just I just I want to be moving towards you. And so, Lord, best as I know how, just say this, as best as I know how, I'm going to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen. Everybody look up at me. If you prayed that prayer for the first time, please let us know. Take one of those blue cards and let us know. And if you'll take them to the next steps desk to... Uh, where Jocelyn and Jason are. They've got a little booklet they'd love to put in your hands and would love to be an encouragement for you. But can we give a hand to those? So here's what we want to do. We want to give you an opportunity to respond to whatever God may be saying to you today. I believe God spoke some things into your heart. And so we're going to give you several different opportunities to do this. Our band, and by the way, I love the stripped-down band today. It's just kind of great. So here's my prayer for you, that you would realize that the Christian life is really about surrender. It's surrendering your plan and your thoughts and everything inside of you to a God who loves you, who created you for a purpose, who wants to do something in your life. It's about Him and walking in a relationship with Him. It's about yielding your life and saying, God, I'm yielding my life to you. It's about realizing that Jesus died for you 
And now you have the opportunity to live for him. And guys, that's more than just a Sunday thing. That's something, Sunday's just a day for us to get refreshed so we can go out and live for him all week long. Man, I hope that's what today has done for you. Amen? All right, a couple of really quick things before uh, we dismiss. Uh, Next week, White Flag Part 2, I give up my need for control. (laughs) That's going to be a good one. I'm looking forward to it. By the way, next week is also, it's it's really kind of interesting. This only happens uh, every few years. But next uh, Sunday will actually be Cinco de Mayo. So you know what that means, right? We've got to have tacos. We're going to have Taco Tuesday next Sunday, all right? And so I want you to come back, and we'll do that. Also, next week is our growth track, and we're going to do part one and part two because the following week is Mother's Day. And so we're going to do part one and part two. We're going to do them. It's just a great, our growth track is a great way to get on God's plan for your life and to really see what God is doing in your life. And so you can sign up at the Next Steps desk uh, for that and uh, talk to our Next Steps leaders. Next Steps, man, they'll help you with anything, whether it's baptisms, baby dedications. If you're just trying to figure out what your next step is, go and talk to them. They'll be glad to help you out with that. And then as soon as we dismiss, man, the after party is going to be starting. The food trucks are out there. We're going to be having just a a great time of hanging out, getting to know somebody. I hope that you'll take the time to say hello to some people and get to know. Who knows? Your next best friend may be here today, and you haven't met them yet. And so this is a great opportunity for you to do that. All kinds of fun stuff happening for the kids and that sort of thing. But it's going to be an absolute blast. And so we're glad that you're here and, and staying around for all of that. So let me pray one more prayer. It's one of the great joys that I have as a pastor to be able to pray a... Oh, oh, yeah, one more, one more thing. Uh, there is going to be a men's trip, uh, a fix-it-up building trip to Africa, to Katali, Kenya, in 2019. There is an information meeting if you would like to go. It's going to be Tuesday, April 30th at 6 p.m. at the McKinney's. That's Jeff McKinney's number at the bottom. But Jeff is standing right back here. Jeff, if you would, wave, wave your hand at If you're interested in more information about that trip, talk to him. I will just say to you, men, this is a great opportunity. If you have some skills, you like working with your hands, if you like to travel, this is probably one of the most amazing trips you will ever go on. And and I'm telling you, it'll change your life. I've been to the Challenge Farm twice. It will change your life. And if you're worried about, well, I know, I would love to go, but it's so expensive, they'll even talk to you about how to raise your funds so that you can do it. We've, we've gone several times, and God just helped us to supernaturally raise the funds to be able to go, because we couldn't have afforded to have gone in either. And so God will help you do that. So if you'll see Jeff McKinney afterwards, he'll do that. All right, raise your hands. I want to pray. Father, thank you for every person that's here today. I pray that you bless them today in all that they do, that you would pour your spirit out upon them, that you would give them wisdom, help them to walk in wisdom according to your word. Father, I pray that you would just uh, give them blessings, divine blessings. Let an anointing be on their life. Give them favor in the eyes of everybody that they come in contact with. And Lord, I pray that you would give them divine opportunities to tell other people the story of what you've done in their life. In Jesus' name, amen.